Hey there, welcome to the show. Well, here we go, another week, more things to talk about in the real estate world as we kind of grind through the fall. You know, interestingly enough, the market is still staying strong. Three great guests joining me this hour, by the way, Tim Sirianos, broker of owner of Remax Ultimate. We're gonna talk about that marketplace show that came out exposing some realtors for avoiding listings that weren't paying what they considered a suitable commission. So uh, I want Tim's take on it, you know, because he's, uh, he's he's living this stuff. And, and let's find out what's going on in the real world of real estate. So he's going to be joining me. Uh, I've got Dave Butler from BM Select. That's right, our mortgage specialist. We're going to be talking about the Bank of Canada and a Scotiabank article that came out actually trying to imply that we could see some major rate hikes in the near future. So, you know, um, if you caught my show last week, I had Benjamin Tall join me from CIBC World Markets. Mr. Tall said, yeah, they will be in the future, but they're going to be slow. Apparently, Scotia doesn't think so, and I'm going to talk to Dave about that. And uh, you know the funny thing that people used to do when they would buy a home uh, called a home inspection? Well, guess what? It seemed to go by the wayside for a little while, but I do have Alan Carson from Carson Dunlop, uh, definitely one of the top home inspectors, um, and we're going to be talking about the necessity for home inspections and why you should still get them. So got a jam-packed uh, show for you as well. Don't forget, coming up this Thursday, October the 28th, that's right, 7 p.m., my simple real estate investment webinar. You don't want to miss out. I'm going to be talking about quite a few things. In fact, I am going to talk about financing on this one and uh, what you need to do when you're going to be a real estate investor. And of course, where is the best place to buy? What's the market going to look like over the next couple of years? We've got so much immigration happening. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's crazy. So anyways, uh, lots to talk about. I do want to give you just a really, 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 really short rant though this week. And it's all about employment and the lack of contractors and professional trades and everything else. You know, we, we, we have so many issues uh, on getting product out in the marketplace and the trades, they just seem to be less populated than ever before. People just don't want to be an electrician, a plumber, a drywaller. And yet there is such a huge demand. The pricing is going through the roof. I don't know how many of you have tried to do a renovation lately, but I can tell you when I'm sourcing, you know, contractors and, you know, we do have a big staff here at our company, but quite frankly, you know, we do need to hire others. It's getting harder and harder. There's just not enough people to do the work that's necessary. So this is going to create the huge problem about getting all the new properties built that we need. So hello, Mr. Trudeau, if you could just throw out one of those promises that if you're going to be, you know, increasing immigration, so we're gonna need more places to rent. Did you ever think that you're gonna to have to figure out how they're gonna get built? And this is my problem with A, the federal government, and you know, a little bit of the provincial government. I'm not really seeing any major programs being allocated to get the you know the construction industry well staffed and so like i said i'm going to keep it short this week but we not we don't just have a housing shortage you know we have a labor shortage and it's going to only get worse so and speaking of worse you know as i mentioned uh, at the top of the show interest rates could they be going the wrong direction well guess what I've got Dave Butler joining me, probably my most consistent guest ever, been with me for years, always, you know, a couple times a month. And why? Well, because I think that, 
you know, financing is the one of the most important things we can talk about here on our real estate show. So Dave Butler from BM Select. Dave, welcome back. Thank you very much, Todd. I really appreciate it. Oh, always great having a chat with you. You know, it seems like we're either weekly or bi-weekly, which is great because it seems like so many moving targets. We talk, we do talk about interest rates, but I did, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm starting to hear that, that, that effect that maybe third quarter 22, we may be seeing a little upward pressure on the interest rates. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw, um, an article that was posted, I believe on the 20th, uh, that Scotia Bank, one of their top economists, very bold prediction coming out saying he's expecting up to eight Bank of Canada rate hikes uh, by 2023. Uh, I thought that was quite overzealous. Um, that seems like it would <laughs> it would do a lot of more damage than likely good. Um, but very interesting take. Uh, but as you and I have kind of been toting the line for quite some time, uh, I'm still a very uh, strong and firm believer that um, any interest rate uh, upward movements by the Bank of Canada will have to be taken um, with quite a measure of uh, careful care. Um, you know, we are we have approached an area where uh, obviously, as you know, with the housing market, a lot of people um, may not be in a position to handle an approximate 2% swing upwards on their interest rate. And that would be very damaging, I believe, to not just the housing market, but to the complete, you know, the total economy. Well, interestingly enough, I had Benjamin Tall on the show last week, uh, you know, with CIBC World Markets, and Mr. Tall was very, very clear stating that he does not believe the Bank of Canada can increase rates at a rapid pace. In fact, it's going to be, you know, uh, very, you know, small increments. And the idea would be put one in place and see the reaction, put another one in place over a period of time, see the reaction. So the the idea that the prediction, and, and again, I think that, you know, this could be one of the doomsayers sticking their heads out, but to be able to increase rates by, you know, two full percentage points within a year and a half, um, we didn't, we've never really done that in the past. And the idea that coming out of, you know, what people consider, you know, a major world pandemic and, you know, the economy still not on all its legs. I think, I don't know, you know, some of the, some of the, whenever we see some of these, these headlines, Dave, I got to call foul. You know, I think sometimes people like to make headlines and predictions like that, but the idea, you know, do, are we going to see, you know, an increase sometime next year? Yep. I think you and I both agree. Is it, should it, and will it be in, in small increments? I, I think that's really what's going to happen. You and I have been on the same page, uh, you know, regarding the rate train for quite some time, a 2% rate hike. Uh, I just does not seem, you know, eight, eight quarter point increases just seems quite unreasonable. Um, and you have to wonder, you know, what, what is the reason for them publishing and putting information out there like that? Is it to educate um, Canadians or potentially is it to possibly invoke some fear and get clients to start locking in to fixed rates? Ding, 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 the, ding, ding, ding Obviously ding, remains ding, to be seen. Interesting. Ding, 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 ding. I think you got the winner there, Dave. <laughs> you know, I, I really look at, you know, manage by fear. And you know what? I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I, did, I, I thought I'd let you go down that path. But you know, <laughs> um, but the truth, truth be told, my take on it is, is that they will turn around and people that, you know, may not even be due for another year for a renewal, they'll turn around and get them off the fence, get them locked in. 
and, you know, get more of a commitment out of people because I, th- I really believe that, you know, the fear mongering is going to come up and I think we'll hear more from the banks about this. I think, I think we're going to see a huge, and, and for yourself at, at BM Select, you guys are going to, you know, get an onslaught of people that are going to be doing a lot of refinance over the next six months. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's, it's already kind of started. I think in the last just three months alone, as we were kind of uh, in the middle of summer there and starting to come out, um, you could really start to see a lot of clients coming in, you know, not, and not just so much regarding interest rates, but as you and I've talked about before, Todd, the amount of unrealized equity that people have been sitting on now during this uh, incredible run up in real estate. Um, it's finally hitting a lot of people and they're deciding either to get access to some of that equity. They're seeing all their friends, you know, and family members out buying rental properties and seemingly doing very well. And it's really unlocked uh, kind of something in a lot of Canadians. And, and we, uh, again, last three months, I can tell you, we have had more um, just applications and in- inquiries from clients wanting to look at now unlocking their equity. And it's the same story. Every time they call, they say, Dave, my neighbor sold for this. And I realize now I'm sitting on X amount of dollars and we'd like to know what is your position on this and what should we do? Um, And certainly we've been trying to help them get access to that equity so that if they do want to then jump into the investment world, they are ready to go and don't have to be um, doing something at the last minute, which is obviously, as you know, in this rental and real estate investment game, the last thing you want to be doing is running around trying to get access to your capital under a tight deadline. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I would, I would definitely encourage people, you know, know where you're sitting. You know, so many people don't even know when their mortgage comes due or for that matter, where their current balance is. And I do believe just to keep everything in order, you know, people should kind of dive into it, find out, you know, take a look at your interest rates, analyze how you're doing. You know, if, if breaking your existing mortgage that has a year left so you can benefit, you know, I think it's time that people, you know, take matters into their hands and, and, and makes it happen. The truth is people always ask, you say, Dave, what's the difference between a mortgage broker and a bank? Um, you know, and when, why should I get my mortgage through your company? Um, I think it's pretty straightforward in that, like, I don't consider myself much of a mortgage broker anymore. I consider myself a mortgage planner. Um, you know, I'm, I, our, our firm is a firm that we want, we want to do all that legwork for you. We don't think that the average Canadian should have to sit there and, you know, worry about the renewal date and all that fun stuff. We can do that for you. That's, that's literally our job. That's what we wake up every day to do. Um, and we're happy to do it and we're experts at it. So for us, we always kind of say, hey, you know, reach out to a professional, you know, they will they will have you in their system. They will make sure there's uh, reminders for when your renewals are coming up. You should be getting emails from your brokerage company that you're working with. All of these things should be handled by your brokerage. And uh, as we know, unfortunately, with the banks um, and, the, and the, the mortgage people at the banks, they are just not in a position to do that um, and do it as arbitrarily as a mortgage broker would. Dave, if our listeners want to reach out to you, best way? Give us a call, one 684 Eight three two six, and you can reach us at our email. It's info at bmselect.ca. And uh, as usual, always happy to work with any of your listeners. It's been a joy over the past couple of years just being able to work with a lot of the people that listen. And it's uh, fun when they call and say, "Hey, we heard you on Todd's show." So it's uh, it's been <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Well, listen, Dave, thanks for joining me today and look forward to chatting with you soon. And uh, folks, when we come back, I've got Tim Sirianos joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My next guest joining me, no stranger to the show. He's actually part of my real estate talk triangle panel. And uh, 
definitely my go-to person when we're uh, talking about the streets of real estate. Uh, broker owner Tim Sirianos, and he's broker owner of Remax Ultimate. Um, Tim's got a, an incredible past, though. He was the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association, and all his opinions are limited to himself. He's not going to be talking for anybody. Tim, I hope that covers everything, and it's great to have you back on the show. Always great to be back, and 100% it does cover everything. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have our opinions as long as you're entitled to mine. No. Anyway, so lots going on. I, I got to tell you, you know, it seems like real estate is still gaining steam, if not just in the media. And I, I think sometimes people are shooting themselves in the foot. And there was something that happened, obviously, that you and I can chat about. Uh, regarding, you know, certain realtors avoiding, you know, certain properties. And how about, I'll let you take it from there. And maybe you can tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about the story. Well, sure, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm I'm very comfortable discussing this. Um, when I heard of the story and I personally recorded it, I want to, wanted to make sure I watched it. And when I did watch it, it I actually cringed. It, it really did not sit well with me. Um, as you know, I've spent 32 years in this industry um, I volunteered my time to, to leave this industry in a better place. Um, again, as you said, being involved with TREB, being involved with CREA, and so many task force and committees. Uh, but I do want to say that that does not represent every single realtor uh, in the country. It is not something that um, is as widespread as the marketplace did uh, portray it to be. Um, and there's so much more to the story than just what was, you know, what was actually aired on TV, right? So, yeah, um, so I, I, I do want to make some clarification so everybody who who's listening to us may not have heard the story. So here's what happened. Marketplace turned around and kind of went undercover and were taking a look at properties. And there are properties that are listed for lower commissions to the agent that would be bringing a buyer. And it was, I'm not going to quite call it a sting operation, but they were trying to investigate, you know, complaints where people were not showing listings because of the amount of commissions that were being paid out. And they actually on tape were able to, you know, show some agents that avoided listings that would pay them less than, let's say, the average two and a half percent. And all of a sudden now we're in a position where, you know, we have to question, you know, is everybody, you know, on a level level playing field? And, and Tim, one of the things, you know, I know you have been a huge, huge advocate of the correct rules and regulations in the real estate world. But, you know, this this did shed that light that, you know, we're not very fond of. Absolutely. And thanks. Thanks for adding uh, that uh, background to the conversation we're having right now. In our environment, um, I will say that commissions are not. Uh, standard. They're not set uh, by any organization. It's hiring anybody. I always recommend that uh, the consumer interview more than one person, whether you're doing contracting in your home or whether you're going to uh, ask for a certain type of uh, uh, service or whether you hire a realtor. And um, in this case, um, does steering happen or has it, you know, as Marketplace um, has showed it? Obviously, some of these agents did not feel comfortable in having the conversation they should have had. Uh, with the seller before they actually were going to show the property and with their buyers before they actually were going to uh, take them out and show some properties. But I will say that uh, commissions are not standard. Uh, we hear that a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I run a brokerage with uh, over 250 people involved in over 3,000 transactions a year. And I've said that many times. Uh, I think this year we're, clo- we're, we're close to eclipsing 4,000. And um, commissions are by no 
uh, stretch standard. We do not set commissions. And um, I just want to make that very clear since we're talking about it. Well, so, you know, and again, perception is a big thing, right? And so with with the increase in pricing, and this is this is the one thing that, you know, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but since prices have gone up and people say, listen, commissions are still, you know, more or less very similar to what they were in the past. And now we see, you know, million dollar homes, $2 million homes, you know, $850,000 properties. People look at it and they see this, you know, it, it's a percentage, of course. And so they start looking at these numbers and saying, these numbers are getting pretty big. And so... Now, you know, the idea that people are saying, well, unless I'm getting the top dollar, I can't show a property. I guess it it, it wouldn't it, it shouldn't sit well for an industry because that's not that's not representation of, you know, the the client that you're representing because again, one of the things that we owe all clients is the fiduciary duties to make sure that we are representing them to the best of our ability and knowledge. And you know, I think, and, and I'm pretty sure Rico will take care of this with the, with these individuals. Oh, um, you, know, no the, you know, but the brokerage, it's, the brokerages are also um, liable when their actual sales agents do this. Oh, the buck stops with me uh, as a broker of record and owner of our company. The buck definitely stops with me. I have an obligation to uh, continuously educate and make sure that the you know the the associates that are that are with our firm um, understand the rules. There is uh, uh, the realtor code, which has been brought down by the Canadian Real Estate Association, and adopted by boards across the country, um, working with the regulator constantly to make sure that um, it's it's um, together working to make sure that these kind of things don't happen. And if they do, uh, any type of, of wrongdoing in our industry, uh, the penalties are extreme right now. They're very, very serious. And, you know, many consumers don't know this, but if you go to the, the, the RICO website, and that's uh, reco.on.ca, you can see of published cases if, if a realtor has done something they shouldn't have done and if they're found guilty and the fines that they're actually paying. So um, it does not sit well in our industry at all. I mean, I feel very blessed because I'm very engaged with our team, constantly educating them, making sure that they they um, uh, cover every single part of the uh, of the contracts that, that they represent the clients. And um, yeah, steering is something that was discussed in Marketplace. I want to say that uh, in my 32 years, and I know for a fact that the vast majority do not do that. I just find that some people can't have those tough conversations and they should always definitely make every effort to show every property, no matter what. Every single property in our brokerage is not a standard commission. There have been, you know, as Marketplace have stated, 1%, there have been flat fees. We're even involved in getting an auction um, going, uh, a topic that we've discussed in past shows where we're helping a consumer with a concierge service uh, represent uh, the seller on the MLS through an auction process. Just want to share that. No, and that's that's good to know because I think a lot of listeners, you know, would just say, "Well, you're just a broker; you're making money, so you're not." You know, and 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 it's good, and and I'm glad, Tim, that you were able to divulge the fact that you don't have just one set commission. And the one, the one thing I think people, you know, that we've always encouraged, we always encourage professional professionalism, full-time people, you know, that are going to do the job correctly. My concern obviously is with the direction that the industry can go with some of the outliers that are coming into the industry just for the sake of just making a quick buck. And I think that that's where some of these people 
are, you know, showing their true colors is because they just looked at real estate as being, oh, you know, I can make a quick buck and a quick hit and, and then, you know, not representing the clients. And I think that the professionalism that, you know, a company like yourself and, you know, a lot of the realtors out there show, I think is very, very important for the industry to be able to move forward with. Many people who've come into the industry, uh, they find out very quickly that it's not a quick buck industry. It's actually a very expensive industry to be a part of. There is continuing con- uh, continuous education that is mandated that must be taken. Um, obviously, in the first two years, uh, a realtor has to take um, several courses. It's almost like, um, uh, I don't want to call it an apprenticeship, but it's almost like you have to take these you know, six courses to get renewed in the first two years. You'd be surprised how many just say after the first six months to a year, yeah, you know, I thought real estate was different. It's not what I thought it was, and I'm not going to continue to do this. So um, we're, we're seeing the numbers right now of people entering the marketplace uh, as agents um, slowly decreasing, which is, which is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, you know, they're realizing that the courses are getting longer. They are getting more intense. And um, yeah, I mean, what what needs to really happen here is this. When it comes to commission, you know, consumers need to evaluate exactly who they're hiring and what services are being provided. It's not a standard in the industry. Um, you know, in our office, I'll, I'll share this with you as well. And many offices, there are situations where realtors accept a flat fee. You made a comment about rising prices and and um, and commissions may be rising with them, but there have been many flat fee scenarios that we've seen and that we embrace. I mean, this is this is about what needs to be done to represent the consumer in the best way possible. So, Tim, we're going to go to a quick break. I want you to hang on. Um, and folks, when we come back, I've got more with Tim Seriano. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Tim Sirianos. He is part of my Real Estate Talk Triangle once a month. And uh, Tim's also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. He is currently the broker of record and owner of REMAX Ultimate Realty. And he is a director at CREA, the Canadian Real Estate Association. So anything Tim says has no reflection on any of those people. Tim, just before the break, you and I were you know, talking about that marketplace program that came out and showed realtors, you know, trying not to show properties that they didn't feel they were getting the right commissions for when people are offering a lower commission of what would some people considered a standard. And I'm glad that we were able to get that, you know, clarified. Lots of things though going on in the real estate world still. And I want to get your take on a few of them. First and foremost, you know, we, we take a look at supply and demand. And, you know, right now we see some more upward on the rental market, which in, in right downtown with, you know, some of your, some of your uh, people uh, from your corp, um, you know, you're seeing a lot more activity. Talk to us about what's going on in the rental market. Yeah, the actual rental market, for the most part, um, we're seeing pre-pandemic um, uh, lease rates. Um, we're seeing a tremendous tightening of the actual uh, market. There's a lot less units available. But I also want to caution that this is not everywhere in the GTA. We are seeing a, a much greater uptick in the downtown core. It's very promising. Um, we believe that just that's just re- reflects a lot more confidence in the future of the uh, of the real estate market downtown and people coming back to work. Um, there's a lot of conversations about that, you know, happening right now and and how soon that will happen. So a lot of people are trying to jump the gun. Um, we're seeing a lot of interest even from investors, uh, people who own um, units or want to renovate units um, or even acquire units because they feel the actual rental market is coming back too. 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past, obviously, is the amount of people that are going to immigrate into Canada. Uh, slow start this year. You know, it was a big thing um, when we were dealing with it because, you know, obviously borders closed. Um, but, you know, if we take a look at, you know, what's going to happen, you know, they slated 400,000 people come in. Obviously, that's not the, the, the number this year, but they could compound it, let it double up next year if the borders are more freely open. You know, 800,000 people coming into Canada, you and I both know majority will gravitate towards the GTA or at least Ontario. You know, this is where we have this conversation all the time. We've got a shortage. They just can't build it quick enough. And and the biggest concern I have um, uh, that we haven't discussed, but we've touched on, is that these new, you know, demand rules they're trying to put in place won't fix the supply issues. I mean, I'll, I'll say that again, demand rule, you know, new demand rules won't fix the supply issues. So, you know, throwing incentives to stimulate the marketplace, the government has to be very, very careful right now um, because they can actually uh, create unintended consequences right now and have prices, you know, move up even more. Um, they're talking about inflation. They're talking about a lot of, you know, uh, being a concern. It's costing more money um, to buy groceries, get gas. Um, everything seems to be going up in price. Um, so we got to, you know, uh, build and provide incentives to build. We need to provide those types of incentives, not incentives to buyers, not incentives to sellers. We need to provide incentives to create construction, get those permits completed, get them out the door, (laughs) get those shovels in the ground. You know, and, and, you know, if you've been listening to some of the rhetoric out there, you know, the province, you know, there's a few comments that are being made, obviously, about, you know, immigration and people and jobs and everything else. But we do have a shortage of, of workers in the construction industry. In fact, a lot of the trades are becoming underpopulated in a huge extensive way. And at this point, you know, I think if there's going to be some incentive programs, it should be to get people more motivated to go into the trades so we can continue on construction because this is one of the problems. Not only do do we see the cost of building goods going up, you know, and this is this is very important when we're, you know, doing construction, but we just can't get the people to build it. So even if we do get permits released, we still have a labor shortage in this area and you know the thing that we've been looking at is that we could be coming up to a shortage of about a hundred thousand units minimum shortage a year in ontario you know we need a million we need a million new units in place over the next 10 years just to almost stay ahead of the curve just to almost stay ahead of the curve but that's not even that's that's not going to put a dent because it's just going to continue to compound uh, more and more I mean, I'm, I've been going through a renovation in my own home that's supposed to take three to four weeks and I'm at week six go, and there's no way I won't be done by week eight, right? So, I mean, they're even having work shortages in the renovation marketplace. So we need to attract more people to get into this space to, to push everything through. But I'm feeling for the contract, the, the builders, actually. I've, you know, because we're involved in a lot of pre-construction, we, we have that, that opportunity to speak to a lot of builders in the condo market. And they're, they're really like, they're, they're stretched thin. They're really, really stretched thin. They want to push the product out faster and they can't. At this point, Todd, they just can't get it out fast enough. Right. And that, that again, you know, we, we, we heard from the federal government saying that they're, you know, they're going to increase immigration, but not one second did they think, okay, where's everybody going to live? You know, and then of course we've got some mamby pamby, you know, uh, 
campaign promises that, oh, we're going to build this, but you don't have the laborers to build it. So again, cart, horse, you know, we're, we, we continue to beat this. And despite the fact that most of our listeners know that we, you know, we talk about the inventory shortage here all the time, I think it's going to hit a staggering level over the next couple of years with this immigration. In fact, I think it's just going to be at a level that people can't imagine. And it's not just going to be that the prices are going to go up because the prices will only go up so much. It's just there's not going to be any turnover in the marketplace. In fact, if people are going to turn around, there'll be more sublets. So if somebody decides to move out, they're, they're going to end up subletting it to a friend who's sitting there saying, I need a place. So we won't even see this stuff come into the marketplace. No, we won't. And, you know, just to kind of not change gears, but just provide some some ideas, in, in, you know, in conversation is if some of these office buildings are not going to be occupied the same way, maybe there needs to be a pivot, you know, a very quick, you know, uh, you know, get into a boardroom, you know, give it some serious thought and see, can any of these office buildings that are downtown and around, can they be converted into condos? And well, how fast can they be? Well, and what can they look like? Well, exactly. Right? You know, you've got the you've got the infrastructure in place. And you know, I've had this conversation with numerous people here on the show where it's why why would you not? You know, you've got the parking, you've got the utilities, you've got everything in place. Renovating is better than building as far as efficiency and time at this point. You know, and Correct. to create either condominium or slash apartment, okay, because we do we do need purpose built rentals. So why not grab some of these buildings and convert them? And again, yeah, it's gonna it's it's still going to take a couple of years to do a building, but it's better than ten years from the outset. And that's that's where we sit today. So Tim, great great recommendation. You know, these are the kind of things that I think that we need more people taking a look at and understanding. It's just. You got to get the municipalities off their butts and turn around and allow the the change in the zoning so that this can happen. And I think that that's where some of the hesitation lies. Yeah, I mean, to to have a new condo or a new development, um, a, a new you know uh, subdivision built, looking at a three to five year uh, you know approval process to get the zoning and everything done. Again, if the buildings are already built it won't take three to five years to renovate and have a purpose-built rental in right downtown Toronto where it's desperately needed. I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity right now. You know, even if you set set aside condos, just purpose-built rentals, they're just under our nose. (laughs) These buildings are there. It's really, you know, it's it's a real uh, opportunity not to have a quick fix, but at least put a dent in, in, in having uh, the rate of uh, lease rates going up beyond what they should be as well. Well, listen, Tim, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. And, uh, you know, at clarifying definitely that Marketplace um, show just to make sure people know what's really going on in there. And uh, look forward to having you on the Talk Triangle coming up soon. And uh, Looking forward to it. <laughs> thanks so yeah, much. No, no, thank thanks. you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Excellent, folks. That is Tim Sirianos, and he's broker owner of Remax Ultimate. And uh, don't forget, you can sign up for our simple real estate investment webinar coming up. The, uh, yeah, it's this Thursday. Wow, already a Thursday, October the uh, 28th at 7 p.m. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And when we come back, I've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So my next guest, well, he's no stranger to home inspections. And I know that's a term that we kind of lost track of when we had some of these overheated markets, but I figured I'd better bring on the industry expert, uh, Alan Carson. He is the owner and founder of Carson Dunlop and Associates, and they've been in doing home inspections since 1978. 
And uh, Alan, I've had you on the show before, but I would like to welcome you back. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Todd. It's great to be here. So, Alan, you know, one of the one of the things that kind of felt like it went by the wayside a little uh, during these crazy bidding wars and times were some of the home inspections. And, you know, having having been in the industry myself for the last 30 years, I've always, always encouraged everybody that they need a home inspection, no matter what you're buying. Doesn't matter if, you know, somebody wants a firm offer or not. If you don't have an inspection done, then you're really opening yourself up to could be, you know, a, a, a huge catastrophe. So can you can you tell us a little bit about your company, a lot about your experience, and then let's talk about the present day market? Absolutely. Um, so as you say, we started home inspection in 1978, when home inspection wasn't really a recognized service uh, in Canada, and frankly, it was just getting started in the US. So we have kind of been breaking new ground in home inspection uh, all along the way. And uh, we now have 16 home inspectors in uh, the GTA. We have uh, a commercial inspection company as well. So we deal with commercial uh, real estate. Um, we also have an education uh, business department that trains other home inspectors uh, across North America. And we have a report writing software system to help home inspectors uh, write reports. So we're, we're all about home inspection all the time. And it has been a fascinating journey as we've, we've gone through uh, uh, growth over the years. We've been through crazy uh, hot real estate markets. We've been through downturns. And the pandemic throws another wrinkle into everything. So we've, we've lived through that. And... What's going on in the market today is pretty incredible when it comes to, uh, as you say, the bidding wars have had a significant impact on home inspection in the sense that buyers still very much want a home inspection. We hear that loud and clear, but their hands are tied. And I know this for a fact because I've got five kids, three of whom have been in the uh, home buying market in the last three years, and I've seen firsthand the impact on people and what what happens when they're told, if you want to have any chance of spending a million dollars on this house, you can only spend 20 minutes in it and you can't get any professional advice about it. So people are not in a position to be able to make a conditional offer the way they have traditionally in the sense that, um, yeah, there's no conditional offer on financing or home inspection or frankly anything else. You uh, put your cards on the table and hope for the best in in a fairly restrictive and and what I would consider unfair situation. It was interesting because you know for years one of the things I would always uh, encourage home sellers to do is actually get a pre-inspection done, and it wasn't so much to hand the report to the buyer but more importantly for them to understand what their property existed like. So in other words, you know, somebody can't come back on you after they do an inspection and say, oh, by the way, your furnace has two years left or your roof has, you know, two years left, that kind of thing. I always encourage home sellers that I think they should get a pre-inspection so they have a better idea of what, what it's going to entail if there is a condition on their, on their property. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I have been saying for years, this is how real estate should be sold. There should be a home inspection provided to any prospective buyer, and it should be done 
and a credible report should be prepared before the house goes up for sale and buyers can look at it. And as you say, sellers should understand the condition of their home. And quite frankly, people say, well, the seller didn't tell me. Well, the reality is sellers often don't know. How many homeowners go up on the roof or into their attic on a regular basis? They just don't know. And so to your point, the seller's inspection gives them uh, information that can help them sell the house. Some people want to make improvements to the house to do it, but I, I don't even recommend that. I just suggest they put the cards on the table. The house price reflects the condition of the house. Buyers can make an informed decision in a fair and open environment, and it makes great sense. The other thing I should say is that during these bidding wars, our business has turned and now about two thirds of our home inspections are done for sellers, as you say, in a pre-listing environment rather than buyers because buyers are being shut out, but good real estate agents and informed sellers understand and see the benefit of the pre-listing inspection. So couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and I think I think what it does is it also allows during negotiation, if it's been you know, uh, showing that there is some kind of deficiency, you don't have that back and forth when people want to turn around and amend pricing. You know, they, like you said, there everything's been divulged. Everybody knows if there's any latent defect. If everybody knows that, now we know how to determine the value of the property as opposed to coming back. And I mean, I, I can remember scenarios where people would say, oh, well, it, it, it needs a new furnace in two years, so I want you to pay for the full furnace. Yeah, but I'm not the one that's going to benefit from the furnace if I'm selling my property, so I'll agree to pay X. And they say, well, yeah, but it's going to cost Y. So, you know, I, I think what gets lost in translation is the evaluation of what some of these repairs are. So, you know, I think it's very important uh, to have the correct home inspection, especially by a professional like, you know, company like yourselves. So moving forward, you know, we're going to be seeing, you know, the market, I think it's going to stay pretty, pretty strong over the next few years. Um, do you do you see the industry, you know, embracing home inspections more? Or do you think it's going to be very much of what we, we've been seeing? Well, I, I think there is um, more awareness of uh, around the real estate transaction, I think there are broad concerns about the fairness of it. And uh, I it was interesting to see in the uh, Liberal platform, their Home Buyers Bill of Rights that included uh, the, uh, the right to get a home inspection. So I think there is a focus and attention on it. Whether it changes things in the short term, um, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I can tell you home inspectors across Canada have had a tough time over the last couple of years through the, these crazy hot markets. And I think home buyers have too. And we have a lot of stories of clients coming to us and saying, gosh, I wanted to get a home inspection. I didn't. Now I've discovered these things. What can you do to help us? And, and we have clients who say, I had to go ahead and buy the house. I couldn't put in a conditional offer. But now that I've moved in, can you come and do an inspection? It's not going to help me with the purchase of the house. But this is the biggest financial investment that I am ever going to make. And I'm raising my family here. I need to know what I'm getting into. And so that is that kind of post-purchase inspection may continue to grow and be on the rise. And then on the, on the front end, we are also getting some clients saying, gosh, the house came out uh, for sale on Monday. I saw it on Tuesday. We think it might be right for us. Can we get an inspection done? knowing that we're going to have to put an offer in on Friday 
that won't be conditional, but at least we'll know whether we should be putting in a serious offer or not, because we'll know what we're getting into. And then, of course, the downside is they might not get the house and they've wasted the inspection fee. So that that we're seeing a couple of trends, sort of pre-offer inspection and post-purchase inspection, both of which compare in comparison to your concept of the pre-listing inspection, by the way, which I'd really love to see become the dominant uh, uh, model for how real estate gets sold. Yeah. Well, listen, Alan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And if our listeners want to uh, reach out to you, what is the best way for them to reach you? Well, we have a very complicated website. It's called carsondunlop.com. And that's probably the easiest way for, <laughs> for people to reach us. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Todd, thank you. Good to talk to you again. That was Alan Carson, owner of Carson and Dunlop uh, and Associates. You know, great home inspections. And by the way, always going to encourage people to have one of those. Um, you know, you do your best because you want to make sure you know what you're buying. I do want to thank my other guests as well, Dave Butler from BM Select and Tim Sirianos, broker of record and owner of Remax Ultimate Realty. You know, great, great group of guests this hour. Always, always, you know, enjoy their company. Don't forget, coming up this Thursday, October the 28th at 7 p.m. is my Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar. You don't want to miss out on that. And you can go to the simpleinvestor.com to register. But that's how quickly uh, an hour goes by. I do want to thank Ian Grant. He keeps it simple for me every single week. And of course, I want to thank you for tuning in. You continue to make us the number one real estate talk show. And I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.